great. Welcome, as Nick says, to uh, level, I nearly said again, level three of the Week Up series. And uh, I just can't get my head around that phrase. It is week three of the Level Up series. Um, I'm just a little sort of off track this morning because England have reached the heady heights of 14 from 14 under Eddie Jones and we're coming for you all blacks. We're going to have your 18 game streak and make 19 by the end of March. Just putting it out there. Hey, welcome. So great. We have we accept rugby fans from all over the world here. Uh, nobody is excluded. But if you're joining us, if this is your first Sunday for a while or you're new to the street, we're in the middle of this series called Level Up where I'm in, uh, inviting us to t- make a shift in the culture of Make a Difference here at the church. And so this um, Level Up series is, is, is equipping us and inspiring us with the tools, simple, practical, down-to-earth tools to make that shift in the culture of outreach here. We call it Make a Difference. We want to be a church that's come as you are, be transformed, and make a difference. And, you know, I hope that if you've journeyed with us through this series, you're beginning to see that outreach isn't a program. It's not an event or a group, but is actually a a natural outworking of every single one of us learning more of what it means to follow Jesus. But it's also true that as an outworking of that culture of outreach, there will be more and more moments where people gather and and pull their resources and their skills and their time and they say, if we work together, we can begin to serve our city in incredible ways. And you'll have heard week after week of of the way things like that happen in in, in the context of missions overseas and and maybe through our Cap Debt Center and, and, and other ministries Uh, We have been celebrating uh, life skills recently and just the incredible way that God has used a pilot course um, that we've talked about a couple of times in our services to bless the community in Strathmore. And uh, we've just been blown away by how God has used that course. Uh, Next week, Rahel Williams, having finished the course, is going to be here sharing some stories as part of my message next week, uh, sharing stories of what God has done over there. Do not miss that. If you can't be here next week, make sure you download that message from our uh, website. If nothing else, you don't want to hear me, but make sure you just tune in and hear Rahel share that story because God is at work in our city and it's just incredible. But there's some more unseen sort of outreach stuff that goes on um, uh, throughout this church, around this sort of uh, space and place where um, there are groups and activities that are run by volunteers. And we don't talk about them much from the front because if we did, we'd spend all of our time talking about it. But coming up over the next year, I want to begin to use um, a moment every single month to begin to share some of these stories and celebrate them. And one of those groups is mainly music. Um, it's been running for a number of years, but here's a person called Caroline Woon who has sort of put up her hand and said for the last two years, man, yep, it's inconvenient for me. But I know that here is a great opportunity for us to reach into our city and invite um, uh, invite the families and, and carers and kids of our community into this place and to encounter the community of the church. And so I thought as part of what I'm sharing this morning, it would be really great to hear from Caroline. So Caroline, why don't you come up street? Why don't we give them a warm welcome? Thank you. Right. Uh, so I've given you a little bit of an introduction, but what was it that brought you to say, I'm going to put up my hand and uh, leave mainly music? Okay, so just a little bit of um, my story, but um, about eight years ago, um, we were living in the UK, and my husband and I, Kelvin, and um, we felt that God was calling us um, to Wellington, to New Zealand, 
Um, and I was very resistant to this, very reluctant to go. Um, I had to give up my family, my friends, um, and um, a great job and um, a great life in the, in the church over there. Um, but I knew that God wanted me to um, get out of the comfort zone and um, to trust in him. So I did, um, and I prayed that God would give me purpose as I came to New Zealand and right. that um, you know, I'd find things to do here. So we both started working um, at the hospital. We became connected in the Street City Church and became life group leaders. Um, and about five years ago, um, I was attending mainly music um, with some non-Christian friends, and um, there was a meeting to um, ask for more volunteers to come and help. So I went to that meeting, but still was thinking, oh, you know, I'm really, really busy. Haven't got much time for this. Um, I don't know that it's for me. So I left the meeting and I said, um, you know, I'll pray about it and think about um, what um, God has for us. So um, I was walking around the city center and um, praying um, as I was trying to get Lucy to sleep. And um, that's our first daughter. And, um, and I prayed um, that God would um, provide for that ministry. And at that moment, I felt that God said, just put your hand up right. and um, I will help you. And I will give you the time and the space that you need um, yeah. to do that ministry. So um, I did. Great. So for those of us who don't really know, um, what goes on in, in, in mainly music on a Tuesday morning out there? Yeah, great. So um, we come here, we meet here every Tuesday morning um, at 9.45, so if anybody wants to come along. Um, this is our new mainly music logo up here. Nobody's seen this yet, so um, you guys are the first ones to see this. Um, but basically, I've just done some um, pictures of things that we do at mainly music so you can see. So we welcome people um, here from the community. We have our welcome board, which the kids love. Um, they get stamps as they come in, and um, we invite the families into the small auditorium for the music um, part of the program. This is the music program. It's lots of fun, lots of um, singing, lots of dancing, um, and lots of activities. Um, there's another slide here. Some of our past um, leaders that we had here with puppets. And, um, and then we have morning tea. So this is an opportunity for the kids to sit and chat to each other um, and for the adults to just chat and connect and um, see what's going on and usually share stories of their sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have playtime and parents, again, um, have time to chat and the kids um, can have fun and play together. And then at the end, um, we get the kids to help us tidy up. Um, and this is my son, Henry, sitting on the Hoover Henry. Um, and they, they help with the tidy up time at the end. So we have many celebrations. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Easter. Um, we celebrated the Olympics this year. Um, we have a lot of fun, but it's also an opportunity for us to share um, the message of um, God, the gospel, um, with these families. And this Christmas, we're um, giving each um, family a Bible and also the kids the story of uh, Mary and Joseph. Um, we have evening events as well. So um, we have time out from people's busy lives where um, parents can come and connect and um, just enjoy. And we have some really creative people on our um, volunteer team. And um, this is just some of the things that we do at Mainly Music, but um, we build community here. Um, we have 15 non-Christian families currently attending. Um, we demonstrate Jesus' love um, to those that come. We share the gospel message with them. 
Um, we can bring along people, non-Christian people. It's a way of inviting people into a non-threatening environment. Um, and we can su- support people through difficult times. Yeah. Um, and it's a chance to, to serve uh, the local community as well. Yeah. That's cool. And um, oh, I forgot to say. Oh, no, go. Go for it. <laughs> Um, so I just put a few um, uh, few verses up here just to share, um, just because, you know, I put my hand up and said yes to, to lead mainly music. I didn't feel equipped with all the skills that I needed, but I felt this verse um, just sums up that here at the church, you know, we're all um, part of one body. And, um, you know, I may have the hand, but other people have the hands and the legs to help with um, the ministries. And if we all put our hand up um, to help in some small way, um, this place could be amazing. Yeah. Um, and also, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, because I can't do this on my own, but God helps us through whatever we need um, yeah. to, to um, perform this work. Yeah, great. Would you just share like a little story or something with us that you're proud of that would just say, this is why, despite busyness of family and busyness of study and work, I, I know I need to prioritize being involved in this program. Yeah, so um, I invited um, along, um, my son goes to a nursery, and I was talking to a family um, there, and they were looking for something to do during the week, and I said, oh, I um, run a, a music program um, at my church, would you like to come along? And, um, and they came along, and um, a couple of weeks ago, their little boy was up on the stage, it takes a while for them to get brave to come to the stage, um, but he got up on the stage, and um, he was dancing to the songs, and, and we have a morning tea prayer, and he was doing the morning tea prayer with us, and imagine what happens when he goes home and he you know, shares things that he's learned from mainly music. Um, but we also had a family who um, said that they really enjoyed our mainly music. They tried a few other music um, classes out around the city um, because they'd moved out of the city. But they felt that um, our mainly music was really welcoming and really friendly and they wanted to come back. Mm. So they came back and now they've started to try um, the children's programs here at the street as well. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So great. Caroline, I want to say a massive thank you to you. Um, for what you've done over the last couple of years and I know you've sort of tried to move on and your heart won't quite let you because you won't let mainly music stop and 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 yeah. you know that people can have a hundred different ideas about stuff that the church really should do but I've become so interested when somebody says I see a need and I want to do something about that mm. and it's inconvenient for me but I know we need to and and so I'd love to find a successor for you and maybe maybe there's people here today who'd say man I'd love to become involved in that um, but I want to say a massive thank you. And, and over the next uh, uh, next week, we're going to talk more about this. I want to talk about salt and light next week. I want to talk about our involvement in the community. And this is one of those ways. There are a number of them. And there'll be some people sat here today going, that is not me. But there will be something that you are interested in. There will be a need that you do see. And I wonder how God might want to use you in that. Um, I wasn't. I didn't plan to do this, but I wonder. Would you mind? Can we just pray for Caroline? Can we just pray for mainly music together? Come on, let's pray, church. Hey, God, thank you so much. Thank you that there's something powerful when the church gets together, and when we call upon the name of Jesus. 
And God, I thank you for the incredible work that Mainly Music does right here in inviting the city, inviting the families and the communities of this city into the church. And Lord, we praise you for that. Lord God, let it be powerful. Let it be life-giving. Let it be life-changing. Lord, I pray for Caroline. Would you bless her and her family in this season? Would you give them the grace to continue to serve amidst the busyness? I pray that that in weakness that they would see incredible fruitfulness and incredible blessing. God, I pray that you'd provide the volunteers and I pray that you'd provide the leadership that enables this program to carry on. But God, I pray that this would just be an example of the many things that go on throughout the city and throughout this entire church community that we would be so invitational and that the city might be invited to know God through the welcome of what it sees in the church. So God, we give ourselves to you today in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's go around of applause. Thanks so much, Caroline. And I love hearing stories about people in our church who are just involved and engaged. And, and I want you to notice something about what Caroline said, that last little story, because it leads into where we're heading today. And it's something that is so important for us to understand. Some of their family, unfamiliar with church, who walk in here and they go, there's something different. There's something so welcoming. And so even though we've moved away, even though it's inconvenient for us, we want to keep coming back. And now we want to check out kids' programs. Now we want to check out more about the church. See, people in our city don't describe it like this. But you and I know exactly what is going on. They are encountering the community of the church. And there's nothing like it. You know, some of you have been around church for far too long to remember what it's like to come into church for the first time to encounter believers for the first time. But for some of you who've maybe known Jesus for a little less time, you know what it's like. You know, I know when I came back to Jesus, I walked into a church service and it was like I hit a wall. It was the presence of God as I walked in and and it made me attentive. It made me switch on. And, you know, I want us to begin to see as a church that, that your family... The, the, the friendship groups that you have, the, whether it be a church service or your life group, whether it be a ministry you run that's like a gym out the back that some of the guys at the church run, whether it's a mainly music program, whether it's doing life skills out in Strathmore, whatever it is, throughout this city, all of these spaces are moments where the church, people who believe in Jesus, gather together. And when they invite people from the community into those times, what we're inviting people into is an encounter with the church. It's life-giving. It's transformational. It's powerful. And so I want you to begin to see that we have to find innovative and new ways to invite the city to encounter the community of the church. There are many people in our city that are not about to walk into a church service. It will be the most alien, scary thing for them to do. But they'll, come to, they'll come to a music program. They'll come to a morning tea maybe that you hold for your street. They'll come to a Christmas party that your family wants to run for people around you. They'll come to work out with some guys here out the back at Kingdom Fitness. They'll come to a life skills course helping them to do life on a budget. And often we find that when people begin to come, they say, there's something different about this place. I want to know more. You have to understand that um, there's something powerfully transformational about the community of the church. Don't underestimate it. Don't get familiar with it. 
but let's invite people into it. And so I want to talk today about leveling up an invitation. And the reason I want to talk about that is because as I was reading Luke 14 recently, this just hit me between the eyes. And it changed the way I began to see church. And I need it to change how we see it today. And, 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 and you'll see on your, on, your, on your chair, there's a couple of invitations to our Christmas services. And, uh, in your, and I, but I don't want you to go away from here. I don't want you to go away from this message and go, right, leveling up an invitation is about the activity of inviting people to church. It, it's, it is about the activity of invitation. But don't miss the fact that we have to have an attitude of invitation. I say to my girls all the time, your attitude is everything. If you have a bad attitude in the morning, guess what? You're going to have a bad day. <laughs> change your attitude. It will change how you see today. It will change how you go through today. And it is no good in us just throwing out invitations throughout this city and never adopting an attitude or a posture of invitation. And so as we go to Luke 14, I want you to see that um, that what Jesus is inviting us to do is not just an activity, but also a posture. If you've hung around me for any sort of time, you will know that food is never far away. Okay? I believe personally, and my family believe in fellowship around food. And I, I see it in you guys. I see it in the families and the friends. My friend Clay here says, if we ain't eating, we ain't meeting, you know? And it, his accent is much better. Josh gets, an, that got a round of applause and an amen, you know? And, and so you guys believe in this, okay? And we're going to keep going on until there's permission given for this to be emblazoned across the walls of the street. We believe in fellowship around food. And the reason is because there's something so leveling about sharing a meal with people. There's something that is incredible about acceptance and about community, about conversation and relationship that goes on around food. I, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that there are some cultures that basically once you've had a meal together, there is, there is real friendship. And it's no surprise that when, when Jesus is asked, hey, who's invited into the kingdom of God? Jesus goes, let me talk to you about a great meal that is coming up. And the host of this meal is God himself. And Jesus tells a story in Luke 14 that tells us who is invited into the kingdom of God by who is invited to this meal. And so I want you to turn to Luke 14. Uh, you can read along in the screens uh, if you want to. And what Jesus says is, look, in this story, the usual suspects are invited. The people that you would expect to be invited to a banquet are invited, but they don't want to come. They, they're, they're too busy. They've got other priorities. They've got other things that are more important. They don't come. And so we pick up the story in uh, verse 21 of Luke 14. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the lame, the blind, and, uh, and the lame. Did I say crippled, blind, and lame? Okay, what Jesus is saying here is, you, you know that the usual suspects are invited. They don't want to come. But I also want you to know that the people that you wouldn't expect to be invited to my banquet, they are at the core of my plans. They are invited. Let's read on. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. And here it is. But there is still more room. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. That phrase struck me with a freshness recently. 
there is still more room. I just knew that it had to be a part of this Level Up series. See, what Jesus is sharing is that there is always more room in the family of God. There is never a no vacancy sign. There is never a sold out. There is never a no more tickets. There is always more room. There is always an open invitation. And so it's something that must not just affect our activity, but it has to affect our attitude. That there is, If there is always more room in the kingdom of God, if there is always an invitation that goes out, then there must always be room in the community of the church. Any time we gather together, any space the community of the church finds itself in, it can never have a closed sign. It can never have a sign that says, no more welcome, there must always be more room. And so I want you to think about the gatherings of the church. Think about the life group you're in. There must always be more room. The reason we bang on about the fact that we need more leaders and we want to develop more and more apprentices to step up to form new groups, not just to huddle together so we all get more mature, but actually so that we can develop leaders so that they can divide. It's not just so that we can sort of sit together and help ourselves become more mature. We do it because there are people that need inviting into the community of the church. There are more people to whom the invitation of God must go out to. Therefore, we need more leaders because we need more groups because there must be more room. Think about why we're talking about talking to life groups about considering opening up a CE course for the people and the friends in their lives. Why is it Jenny and I are wrestling with that right now? Do we, do we start a life group? Do we, do we run a CE course for the people in our lives? Why is that? It's not because I think that most of the people here at the street need to, need to know more about the fundamentals of the Christian faith. There need to be more CE courses because there are many people in our city who need to find safe environments to ask their questions about Jesus and encounter Him for themselves. Think about Sundays. I think, I wonder if some of us get really bored when I stand up week after week and I explain communion in a really simple way. Can I say, if you've been in church for, for a few weeks or months or years, I'm not explaining it simply for you. I could just say, let's have communion and you'd know what to do. We explain communion simply. We explain baptism simply. We explain why we gather and sing songs. We explain why somebody like me stands up and opens up the Bible and does his best to share it over sort of 20, 30 minutes. We do it not, not because of Christians. We do it because we want the city to be welcome in this space. And we know that if we have things that we don't explain properly, somebody who's never come into church is, is treated like a foreigner, treated like somebody who's excluded. And I do not want that. I want every single person in this city to know they're welcome to come and experience the power of authentic Christian community. And so I'll explain everything I can as simply as I can so that every single person feels welcome. It means it's more than just about how service is led. It means from the first person a, a, a person meets in the car park to a friendly smile at the welcome, to, to the security team that we have here that makes sure our, our kids' spaces are safe. I love those security teams. Well, can, we, can we do something incredible as a church, right? Because there are guys and girls who spend time outside of this space to make sure our kids' spaces are safe. I want, I want us to say massive thank yous to them. I want them to get bored of hearing thank you, thank you, thank you for the incredible work they do. Because it's not just for Christians. It's so that somebody who is new to church that maybe feels a little unsettled about leaving their kids somewhere 
would know that they're safe, would know that they're having an incredible time and that they can come into this space and having experienced the incredible welcome of you and me and of our incredible teams of volunteers who faithfully serve week after week, that they might feel welcome and comfortable in this space and having seen your welcome, would be prepared to hear the welcome of God that is extended to them. It's why we're exploring not just being one church across multiple times, service times, but one church upon, across multiple locations. It's why we're talking about in that in the context of putting church back into communities. It's because if there is always room in the community of God, in the kingdom of God, there must always be room in the services of the street and in the kids' programs of the street and in the, and, and, and in the life groups of the street. And to help us reach this city we will go. We'll go to every corner of this region. We'll go anywhere and everywhere so that as many as possible hear of this incredible invitation of God. We'll go so that this city hears of that incredible message that God of all creation loves people passionately and beyond measure. And that yes, the world is not as it should be, but God so loves the world. Not just the church. Not just the people that you think should be invited. But God so loves every single human being that He sent the one who was most precious to Him to die in our place for us as a free gift. So that whoever would believe, so that whoever would not perish but have life, real life, eternal life, Let every ear hear, let every soul know that they are invited, that they are welcomed, that they are loved. And so it leads me to this conclusion that the invitation of God must be extended in the welcome of the church. So how does the invitation go out? Because I think when when, when I'm invited to something that is unfamiliar to me, I want to know why. And I've talked about this before, but you know, if I wanted you to come to an All Blacks game and, and you guys know nothing about rugby or anything like that, I wouldn't start by explaining the rules to you. I wouldn't start by explaining the dimensions to the pits. I mean, some of you, if you're so minded, might love to talk about the description of the uniforms and the, and the colors and the fabric. I mean, that might be the way you go. But for me, I'd explain to you how incredible it is to, to roar with 40,000 other people and feel the stands of a stadium shake as the team scores. And we find this throughout every area of our life. Maybe All Blacks, maybe rugby isn't for you. But you'll go to a restaurant because somebody else tells you, I had the most amazing meal. You've got to try it. You'll send your kids to particular schools because someone else said, it is amazing, your kids should go here. You'll watch movies, you'll go to shows, you'll go and see a choir, you'll go to a concert. Because somebody says, I've experienced it, it's incredible. And I think the same is true of God. You know, stories make the things of God tangible. They make the the work of the invisible God visible. The stories of God's work in your life take something from some far off, foreign, uh, unimaginable realm and they bring it front and center before somebody's very eyes. And your life is full of the power and the presence of God. Not just the testimony of when you came to faith, but stories of God's provision 
Stories of healed bodies. Stories of restored relationship when you thought there was no future. Stories of how God stepped in and brought an end to fear, to shame, to loneliness. When God brought you to himself, removed shame and removed this sense of guilt and gathered around you an incredible church community. You know, some of you right now are going through maybe a real painful season. Maybe of sickness, maybe of real darkness. Like Psalm 23, and even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Maybe that's a life verse for you right now. But I want you to know that you don't have to come out of that before there's a story that you can share with people around you. Man, it's dark, but it's different for me. Because I've got a shepherd. I've got a God who makes a real difference in my life. This isn't some prosperity religion. This is faith in a real God. Every single one of us has stories that enable people to engage with God in a way that maybe they can't otherwise. I want you to see that the Bible, the Gospels are full of these stories, full of people who encountered Jesus and their life was never the same. And they went back into their communities and back to their friends, back to their families and say, Jesus changed my life. You need to meet him. And so I want us to look at a guy that this happened to. I could have picked many, but there's something real profound about this story that I want you to see. You turn to Luke 8. We're going to put it up on the screen. About a guy who encountered Jesus. This guy is incredible. His name's Legion. And we'll get to that in a minute. We're going to read from verse 26. Okay? They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. Don't just gloss over that. The guy's naked, okay? Naked. This is not a PG service. Not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. You know, I want you to notice something about this guy. Okay, Luke is an incredible storyteller. And he wrote these words. Dr. Luke, writing, writing logically and concisely so that you and I could hear incredible stories. And he wants you to see that Jesus is life-changing. Jesus is powerful. And so he begins to describe this guy's life. And if you allow your heart to be so moved, this story will begin to break your heart. This guy is lonely. This guy is excluded from community. He is so possessed by the demonic that he has a name Legion, which means he has many demons in him. And when he comes to have a conversation with Jesus, the fact that he says some of them the most high God and acknowledges something that was missing for half the world, an acknowledgement that was missing to most people, it tells us that it's probably the demons talking to Jesus right now. This guy is naked and he lives in tombs. That's his life experience. When people come and guard him and put chains on him, he breaks those chains. This guy is broken. He is messed up. I'm never surprised. I'm all, or rather, I'm always suspicious that, that there is demonic activity in the work, in, in the life of somebody, when they start saying, I want to be on my own. I'm not welcome in community. I'm going to be isolated. I need to be out on my own. Because it's the very opposite of what God does. The activity of the demonic, the activity of Satan is always, you're better off alone, nobody wants you, get out. It's the very opposite of what God does. It's the very opposite of what we try and do in this space. Because God connects people. 
into family. God connects people into community. He doesn't want to see anybody isolated or on their own. He puts the lonely in families. It's incredible. But this guy's experience is that the demonic is so profound in his life that it leads him away to solitary places to be on his own. But then he meets Jesus. He meets Jesus and his life is changed. His life is not the same. And so what we find is that Jesus says, get out demons. And the demons go and run into a herd of pigs and plow off and suddenly become suicidal and plunge into a lake. It's like, some people could say to me like, oh, following Jesus just seems so boring. I'm like, really? I, I don't know, it's not the Jesus I see. I've never seen the you know, suicidal herd of pigs. But, you know, that would be an eventful day for me. It's a bit un- out of the ordinary. But having done that, the guys who are there watching all of this unfold, And seeing this man different go off and they run off. Let's read from verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were afraid. Oh, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This man is changed. Luke describes how desperate his situation would be. And then he says, now, having encountered Jesus, having encountered the power of God, this guy's in his right mind. He's got clothes on. Praise the Lord. If you come in here naked, we're going to pray for you that you meet Jesus and put clothes on. That's what we do. And this guy is sat at Jesus' feet in his right mind. He has changed. And you'd think that the community would go, yes! Jesus, you're awesome. This is so good. Like we don't have to have a roster anymore for who's going to guard Legion because it's, really, it's a real struggle to get people to volunteer on that roster. They don't have to do that anymore. This guy is in his right mind, completely changed. And yet Luke says that was not their reaction. They were afraid. And they said, Jesus, go. We don't want you. And so Legion probably needs a new name by now because he doesn't have a legion of demons in him. He tries to follow Jesus and Jesus says, no, I'm going, but you go back and you tell the story of what God has done in your life. And in this moment, I, as I read that, I was, began to see the profound power of your stories and my stories. The testimonies of what God has done in our lives. I want... Because what you see is that Jesus is no longer welcome in that town, no longer welcome in that region, but Legion was. And Luke records that, he, that, that, that that community got to hear all about the work of God because of Legion's stories. And I want you to think right now about the people in your life who do not believe in Jesus. I want you to think about what their attitude is to Jesus. Are they, are they afraid? Are they angry? Do they blame God for something that's happened in their lives? Do they just not believe? Are they not remotely interested? 
What about you? Now think about how those same people see you. Are they angry with you? I hope not. Are they afraid of you? Do they not believe you? This man was welcome in his own town where Jesus is not, and he got to tell all about what God had done for him. And so it leads me to this profound conclusion that I need you to let sink in this morning. That you have the tremendous privilege of being welcomed into the lives of people where the God of all creation is not welcome. There are people in your life that will listen to you who right now will not listen to God. And as your story, and I want you to know that your stories have the power to help people begin to see and to begin to believe that maybe their first conclusion, maybe their assumptions that they currently hold about Jesus are untrue. And so I want you to think, how do we do that? How do we, how do we begin to take these stories into people's lives? Well, Kevin Harney, and, and some of you will have seen him in the books that he's written on Organic Outreach, um, has been so helpful for me in understanding how to share my stories in powerful and tactful ways. Um, and I could just put up a list of bullet points and we could talk through them in a really boring way. But I thought, given that we're talking about stories this morning, that we'd get a story from one, somebody in our church community. And so we're going to do a little bit of role play right now, something a little different, that you can hear maybe how this, some of these conversations go on. So give it up, big hand, Jamie and Jenny. I'm going to let you sit next to my wife for a little bit, Jamie. Okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, just, I'm watching and listening. Okay? I'll be right over here. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Yeah. Uh, not too good, actually. I keep getting these headaches, eh? Oh, how long has that been happening? Oh, a while now. I just can't seem to shake it, you know? Oh, it's so horrible when you get something that you can't shake. I know how that feels. What do you mean? Well, I used to get these really bad nosebleeds, and they just used to come back and back and back. What do you mean you used to? Well, one day they stopped, and I don't get them anymore. Um, would you mind if I told you the story about that? Yeah, sure, of course. So I used to be allergic to orange, oranges, and if I ate or drank anything with orange in, I got really bad nosebleeds, and they used to wake me up in the middle of the night, and they were awful. Oh. And um, I couldn't do anything about it, and... One, um, one week I went with my family to a Christian camp and there was a session and the person at the front said they believed there was someone in the room who had really bad nosebleeds and I thought, oh, it's me. And so I went up and I said to them, hey, that's me. And they asked if they could pray for me. And um, she just prayed this real simple prayer that um, Jesus, would you heal her of her nosebleeds? And I haven't had a single nosebleed since that day. Wow. Cool, eh? Yeah, cool. <laughs> So I could tell you hundreds of stories like that of, um, because I believe God heals. And um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to pray for you about your headaches. Sure. Great. <laughs> so great. Thanks, Thank Tim. That's cool. A genuine, genuine story that Jenny managed to tell in 100 words. And I don't know about you, but... Um, I've lost count of the number of times in my life where there is an opportunity to share something and suddenly I become tongue-tied. Suddenly I lose all capacity 
to share something in a concise and direct way. And I know what some of you are thinking, like that happens every Sunday, but, you know. But it happens in those situations as well. And then I came across a Kevin Harney thing of just writing 100-word stories, thinking of those testimonies in your life. And so I wrote one this year, and let me tell you what happened. I I, I sat down to write this little snippet of of how my life changed in 100 words, and it brought me to a profound place of worship because I began to see my life not just as sort of one big mass, but as a succession of stories of the power and the presence of God in my life. Uh, The fact that my faith is real. The fact that I really do believe what I say I believe and I see it in my life. And that my life continues to be, day after day, a a collection of those stories. But it also meant that as I listened to people around me, and I began to hear their stories, and what was going on in their life, I saw opportunity to be able to share. And when the moment comes, you're able to then share concisely. Notice what Jenny did. She asked permission she said, would you mind if I shared something? And if the person says, no, all good. She gave a little snippet of dramatic change that piqued his interest and made him want to know more. And not only did she ask, but she then didn't take up lots of time. She didn't chew his ear off for a whole bunch of time. She just said, this is what it was like for me. This is what it's like now. And the thing that changed was that somebody prayed and Jesus is the agent of that change. Now, what that does for Jamie is he either goes, Jenny, you're a liar. Or he goes, that seems really false to me, really untrue. But I know that you aren't a liar. I know you. Maybe I want to know more. And, and so I want you to know that your life is a profound testimony. And God wants to use those testimonies and those stories as a powerful invitation to know Jesus. You will find it as no surprise that on your seat again this week is a brand new flyer, week three, on invitation. And on the back, there are five daily challenges. Five days this week, take one of these things. You've got a question to ask. Just the places, the spaces that you know God is sending you. A verse to ponder, restore to me the joy of your salvation. That God, I'd know the reality of your salvation in my life. That I wouldn't be ignorant of it. Because I believe out of that becomes a desire to see that in other people. A prayer to pray. That's a real open my heart prayer. Try. Just write, think of one or two stories that you could bring down into 100 word stories. Here's what happened. It'll bring out worship in you, but you'll begin to look for opportunities, natural opportunities, not forced, but where there might be opportunities to begin to share some of those stories. And that final one is so important. What is going on in the lives of people around you? Genuinely listen. Because it might be that the story that you've written down is not actually the right one, and there's something else that God brings to mind at that moment. But for the sake of people, who are far from God, without hope and without God, I believe that through the testimonies of what God has done in your life and continues to do in your life and will do in your life, God wants to present a powerful invitation to know Him. Can we bow in prayer? And let me just pray for us as a church. And I'm going to hand over to Nick. Hey God, thanks so much for this time. And God, I thank you that, that, that for every single person in this city, There is a sign that says you are loved, you are invited, 
you are welcome. And I pray, God, that you challenge us individually and continue to challenge us corporately as a church, as I know you have, to be a church that is open, to be a church that will change anything and everything if it means more people will feel welcome. God, I pray that you would remind us of the stories of the powerful testimonies of your work in our lives. I pray that it would lead us to a greater degree of worship and of celebration. But I pray also, God, that it would be a powerful invitation. And as people encounter us and our families and our friendship groups and our life groups and the groups and the activities that we run throughout this church, and, and, and God, even these spaces and our, and, and, our, and our Christmas services, God, I pray as the people of this city encounter the community of the church, Lord, I know we believe that they're going to find it life-changing and welcoming and empowering and incredible. And God, I pray that through that, they're in, through the welcome of the church, that people would say, I want to know Jesus, that their lives, eternal lives might be changed. So God, we thank you today. Send us, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.